Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey everyone, just me at the top of the show to let you know about a few things I'm doing. First of all, I'm doing November 20 at the Vanguard in Sydney, Newtown. I am doing Don't You Know Who I Am live at one. 30 in the afternoon. It's a Sunday afternoon. And then I'm following that with Josh Earl Talks, my show from the 2019 Comedy Festival, which I still love doing. So the lineup is Becky Lucas, Tom Cashman, Ben Koshin, and Danielle Walker. Tickets are at joshearl.com.au slash gigs. They're $20, so make sure you get them. The last one when I was up there, I think it was in July, August, was uh, pretty much full. This one, not so much. So Sydney, it was a really good show last time too. So get some tickets. Hey, if you're in Melbourne, I'm doing a live 100% Hits on December 18 at the European Beer Cafe. All money is going to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. It's a really good cause getting books into some Indigenous communities. Tickets at sayplace.joshow.com.au. So we're going to be looking at 100% Hits Volume 17, Side A. We have some big, big songs on it. So Seal, Kiss from a Rose, Common People by Pulp, High and Dry by Radiohead. So... Make sure you get a ticket. All the money is going to charity, so you also feel good. We have some really, really fun uh, comedians slash musicians who are going to be doing songs. So you'll be able to see the songs performed live, and that means we'll be able to play the full song. That'll be fun as well. Anyway, that's all I need to say. Thanks, everyone, who are Patreon subscribers. You guys are the absolute best. Hopefully you're enjoying The Pod Machine, which is the sister podcast of this one, looking at all the hit machine compilations are up to hit machine volume seven this weekend moving into the mid 90s it's a lots of fun anyway that's all from me that's all i need to say enjoy this episode with stephen gates hello and welcome to 100 hits volume pod the podcast that looks at the greatest music compilation this country has ever put out. Woo! The 100% Hits compilations. My name is Josh Earl and joining me, very special guest. Please welcome into your hearts, into your ears, it's mm. Stephen Gates. Yay! Stephen Gates, Stephen Gates, Stephen Gates. Yes. Hello, Josh. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you? Great to see you. Very good to see you. First time I saw you perform on stage was in a little group called the Renegades of Folk. Renegades of Folk supporting Tripod at the local laughs and we tipped the couch over. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> in, a, in a faux rock and roll way, but you've rocked ever since, my friend. I think it was a slow motion, t- let's trash the stage in slow motion. Yeah. yeah. I, I, th- I think also we shared uh, a stage at... When the unis had their union yes. feet. Yeah, I was talking Latrobe. about this the other day, yeah, because I went out there. My, my kids did a school production yeah. out there yeah. and I remember because I was in the Renegades of Folk with Justin Hazelwood, yes. bedroom philosopher, mm-hmm. and we didn't, neither of us drove mm-hmm. and going to Latrobe seemed like we were going like <laughs> cross country. It was yeah. like how the fuck are we going to get here? Where? We got on a tram for the first time ever in my life a tram hit a car oh. and so we all – Went for it. and the Renegades. We had so much shit with us. Yeah, we wore helmets like these 
Props. Com- old computer monitors. Yeah. <laughs> very Daft Punk-like. Yeah. And we had like guitars and like xylophones yeah. and other just shit. Yeah. We just And that went flying all over the tram. We had mm. to get off the tram, couldn't get a taxi, so I had to get a bus that was taken and then walk across the campus. Yeah. And it was the Nelson Twins were hosting. That's right. First time I met the Nelson Twins. Same. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you you guys came on and I was just standing or sitting there with the other two boys that I, I performed with and we were just thinking, oh, can these guys keep playing? Because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go on. Well, I'll tell you guys. the first time I saw you was in 1999. Yeesh. I was at Launceston doing a performing arts degree yes. and our first ever like assignment we had to do was stand-up comedy. Wow. And then at the end of the assignment, I did very well, got an HD. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they said, hey, the the Melbourne Comedy Festival Roadshow is coming to town. Wow. At the, um, oh, what's it called there? The Princess Theatre. Yes. And you guys were the headline headline act. Well, we, you mean amazing. we were on last because we were musical. But it was, that's, that's headline, baby. And I think in 1999 we would have opened that. It would have been the first year of the Roadshow. Yep, yep. And I you guys still had us, the costumes. Yep, the stupid pyjamas. And I think we did just Footloose from start to finish. No jokes, no no parody. No. We just played Footloose. <laughs> well, we you sang it. <laughs> on, on, the, on the tour was Will, yeah. Corinne. Hell yeah. Maybe Helia or maybe Husey mm. on in Launceston. No, not Husey on our tour, but yeah. okay. And there was one, one more. Yeah, was, and, and the international Keith Robinson, maybe. No, it wasn't international in Tassie, and it wasn't Mickey D who'd been on all the other ones. Right, it was someone else. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, this is riveting. I'm sorry. It's just <laughs> nice to catch up with you again, Josh. I've missed you. Hey, we're talking music though. Yes. How good's music, right? In it's your, one, it's in one of the holes. one of the good things in life. It's it was my great identifier growing up. It was the only thing I cared about. Now you, I mentioned these compilations. You said you didn't have these compilations. Not the '90s ones because I was a full-grown adult. Yeah. Um, and uh, I kissed girls and everything. Um, but uh, no, certainly starting out my musical journey early on, my first sort of it was various artists. Yeah. Anything that had various artists after it, I appealed to me simply because it was like having a 12-inch version of Top 40 Radio, yep. essentially. And um, the first one I had bought to my name was Disco Nights. Do you remember any of the tracks on Disco Nights? YMCA. Nice. Um, yes, Sir, I Can Boogie was one of them. I don't know that song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's pretty It's pretty <laughs> raunchy for a, for a, for a seven-year-old. But then, then that followed 1980, The Summer, then yep. 1981, you know, the... the Rocks on, I think one of them yep. was called. All of, I, I had them all, and I still collect them to this day. I yeah. always flip through because you sent stores. through the uh, Ripper cover of the ripped. Was it Ripper? Or I think it was called Ripper, which was a woman yeah. in in very short jean shorts. Yes, with the back pocket kind of ripped open. Yes, a bit of a butt. Because my that, my dad had knockout. Knockout. Yeah, which was also it was like it was like. Every single like of those compilations was designed by the person who designed the Chico Roll. Yes. Thing. So Knockout, a- let me imagine, would have been a thinly clad woman with a boxing glove yep. and a boxing glove was coming towards the camera. And it said 18 hits and it had- On the boxing glove. On the glove. boxing glove and yes. had like Boomtown Rats and all those kind of bands on it as Beautiful. Well. Yeah. Because I remember listening to that, listening to I Don't Like Mondays for the first time ever going, I didn't know music could be like this. Right. Yeah. It really blew my mind. What a- and- yeah, it's a it's a story as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Whack a story in a song, you got me. 
All right. Well, we're talking. Yes, we're talking the 90s. Volume 13, side B. Last week with Andrew Levins, we talked side A. Now we're talking side B. And I, I think you've got the better side. Oh, really? I think you do. I was wondering. It's like this is a very short 100% hits. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, okay, so B-sides. B-sides. Now we're going to start with a band we've talked about a fair bit before. Go on. <laughs> yes. they've, they've had four songs, no, three songs on it already. And every time I mention them, I say it is a band named after your arsehole. Yeah. It is oh. Chocolate Starfish mm-hmm. and their song, Four Letter Word. That starts off. Uh, like a record. Yeah, it's that's a brave choice. Mm-hmm. Okay, something's wrong. People What's are going, happening? oh, I've got oh, to turn this on. up. It's got to be, what the hell? Oh, there, there she is. Go. Okay, strong intro. I it like is it. It is a strong intro. Like it's, it kicks off their album and I would say it would be one of those songs that kicks off their live shows as well. Yes. They still tour. I know. They're huge. Well... They're still touring. Yes. More than I can say. They're living, for us. They're living the dream. They're touring. They're We're band. too busy cancelling gigs. So. Mm. Oh, the octave. Lead vocal. Are we supposed to talk over the top of it? I like it, but some people don't. Okay. Sorry, people. That was the pre There we go. Is this the chorus? This is the it's chorus. Kind of, yeah. So yeah. it's Four Letter Word by Chocolate Starfish. What a tough one. Um, I know some of these, the members of this band. Oh, okay. Um, in, in my travels. Yep. And uh, I think any band that has lasted um, over 20 years is, is all right by me. And I- they, still, they still tour. They still go regional. Yes. I agree. I think I th- of the three songs of theirs, this is I think the better one we've we've heard. Right. Of theirs. I mean, we did. Uh, You're so vain. That's a tough one. Like when you open up, when you come out of the gates with a cover. I know. It's what people tough. expect. Yeah. Although that's what they're kind of doing now. This right. is what they're doing now in these big shows. They got a big show in is they are, they as in the young people or they as in chocolate stuff. Chocolate stuff. Oh, okay. So they're doing these kind of tribute shows yeah. where they play a, a greatest hits of their own stuff, yep. and then their encore is. So they've done these shows where they've gone, we're going to play the entirety of Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf. I see that, yeah. We're going to do all of Kick by NXS. Great. Yeah. Uh, the other one they did was uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. So they just did a, a selection of Queen songs. When I say great, I mean it's, it's, it's very cynical. Like anyway, I mean, yes, I like that album. I like Chocolate Starfish too. Boom, yeah, got it. Yeah, but they're doing, they're doing songs – you can't see Meatloaf anymore. You can't you see can't. In Excess and with Michael Hutchinson anymore. Thank God. He was never very good, Meatloaf. Poor <laughs> fella. Did anyone, before booking the guy for the grand final, did anyone look him up online? Did anyone see any YouTube? They Apparently, because that was Andrew Demetriou's last kind of grand final as right. well. Yep. He'd seen him a year before right. in America and said, oh, he was fantastic. Blind. He was blind. Absolutely, yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, he I would have been it. off his head and went, this is so good. Yeah, and yeah. how good's Coke? Yeah. <laughs> that I didn't, <laughs> apparently. But I, I'm with you because these guys were only a band for a short time, for six years, and then they got back together in 2010. So yep. for another 12 years they've been a band. Right. And it's that thing of going, all right, well, we're good musicians. You can clearly hear they're good musicians. Sure. But 
being a, a band for a long time is a hard fucking job. Well, without doubt. To maintain interest and, yeah. you know, you capturing the imagination is magical anyway. To, yeah. to, to, to rise to any sort of top, incredible. But to stay there is very, very hard. But um, this song, um, Josh? Yeah. 100% hits? <laughs> Is this when we do we open the do no. we open the book on what is a hit at this moment we'll, or do you do that every episode? We'll do that at the end. We'll, okay. do, we'll do if it's a hit or not. Okay, let's move on then. Because I, I you know, it's that thing. I think it's going to happen a lot on this B side. I've certainly um, looked at some of the tracks because you you you, you did the it, yep. due diligence. It's called pre-production, kids. Yep. By sending the guests, you know, this is what we're going to talk about. And sure, um, the album might have charted. Or being at uh, top ten, but these singles, I'm yeah. not sure. I think that would even that didn't even clock forty. That one, no, but no, anyway, it didn't. yeah. Anyway, it saved to the end. All right, here we go. Here is a little band from Georgia. They're called Collective Soul, and <laughs> this is their song, Shine. Really takes off in the chorus this one. Well, I think it has one of the great pre-choruses of all time. Yeah, you know, you know what it is. We're getting to it, so we good. I mean, you can sing along to it. <laughs> this bit, love it, love it, <laughs> love it. One more time, ladies and gentlemen. Well. <laughs> We'll stop it there. That's the chorus. That's the chorus. First thing that strikes me is uh, what an interesting time in music 1994 was. Yeah. Really, what what a, how at sea everyone was. I know. Um, the record companies would have been scrambling. What do we do? We, this Nirvana's changed everything. We've got this you know, roster of bands that are no longer relevant. Yes. And bands like Collective Soul are coming through with possibly the worst drum sound ever <laughs> recorded. That sounds terrible. <laughs> and I was I was really quite taken by it listening yep. to the headphones because, of course, when these songs came out or they were popular, it was on the radio, car radio, whatever. But listening to the songs in in, 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 a bun- in, a can- in some cans, yep. you're really picking the, the, the production. It's so dry but it's so tinny. It's almost like a demo. Do you this. think, yes, do you think that might be because the band, quite young, yep. like they, they wrote this song in 89, didn't release it until 94. This was their first kind of like big hit but maybe not so confident in the recording studio, which is yeah. a skill. Like you can be a great oh. musician but then you go in the recording studio and you go, oh, well, the producers know what they're doing and then it doesn't sound like the way it sounds in the rehearsal room. Yeah. Oh, we know how difficult it is to just capture that magic in, yeah. the, in the record. That's why a recording artist is so very, very different to a live performing artist. If you can get the two, wow, like uh, when I first heard that first Kings of Leon album. Yes. I quit my own band. It was just, the, hang on, these guys are 17, 18, barely. You know, yeah. the eldest is 20. And they're making this racket and it's so accomplished. It's so good that, yeah, just hang your, hang your guitar up. Well, this this band, 
Ed Rowland is the lead singer and principal songwriter. Yes. He, he's a decade older than everyone else in the band. Oh. His brother's in the band. Oh. He was in bands and then went home one day, mm. like he'd been living away, went home, and his mum said, oh, your brother's up in his room playing guitar. And he's like, he doesn't play guitar. Sounds like the Oasis. I know, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and so he went up there and he was kind of just playing around, they were jamming, mm. and he wrote this song. Yeah. But the thing was, a lot of people now think they're a Christian band. Yeah, because right. it's heaven let your light. And he's like, no, we're not a Christian band. Okay. Sure. And he's not, not saying that they don't believe in Christianity, but he goes, we're not, don't lump us in with that Christian sound. We're not yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So so the brother, younger brother, would have asked the older brother, who I guess assuming was the singer, um, lead yep. songwriter, yep. that pre-chorus, my favorite bit. <laughs> you know, are you sure you want to go with that? <laughs> yes, that's that, that's what I want. <laughs> and um um, I love that. They uh, almost, or oh, they tried, the Smashing Pumpkins tried to sue them. Oh. He said that, uh, so Billy Corgan said that he hates this song uh, because of the similarities between their own song, Drown. Really? Are you a big Smashing but Pumpkins is, fan? Look, uh, I I love, I used to love and and in the same measure hate um, Billy Corgan's earnestness. Yep. You know, things like uh, Disarm was a brilliant song and I love even pulling that out with an E minor. Yep. Great fun. But uh, then it, it, and the world is a vampire, do, do, do. great, great opening line. Yes. Um, but apart from that, I saw the Smashing Pumpkins with my mates uh, at the tennis centre and I was appalled. The uh, These kids were um, loving, loving on them, moshing in the middle and I saw Billy Corgan sit on the front of house speaker and look at his audience with absolute disdain, laughing across stage to like, look at these idiots. I'm yeah. thinking, I hate you. Yeah. I hate this band and I want my money back. Well, But it's funny that he should sue another band. Yeah. Uh, do you have that? I, I, don't, I don't have it. I mean, I could look it up, but we yeah. don't need to because it got thrown out of court. Yes. Because Ed Rowland came in with a, a cassette tape from 89 saying, yes. well, I wrote it before you released yours. Excellent. So in that, you would go, does the court case flip now? But yeah. no, of course it doesn't. Oh, it yeah. doesn't. So, no. um, although they, he didn't get much money from this song because of their, uh, their manager at the time <laughs> who uh, stole from them. And uh, Ed Rowland uh, will not speak at this. So the name's. His name's Bill Richardson. Yeah. He won't say his name. It's like he's Voldemort. We yeah. will not speak his name yeah. in interviews. Have you heard uh, the Queen song, Death on Two Legs? No. Is that about their manager? Oh, oh yeah. It's the opening of um, I think it's Night at the Opera. Yeah. Um, it's one of the great Queen songs and it's just oh, very, very clearly, you know, so didactically talking about their ex-manager, oh. Death on Two Legs. Yeah, Love so it. Bill Richardson, he froze all their assets. What like an ass! Couldn't couldn't touch their money. Why? Why does that? Why does yeah. everyone's know. got one of those stories? Yeah. Tripod have one of those stories, but you know everyone has the the artist always gets screwed. Josh. I know. I've had I've had three managers. Yeah, yeah. One of them ended okay. Mm, that's a pattern. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> you that's sure it's, <laughs> it's it's me. Uh, all right, oh. let's move on. A little man called Francis Dunnery and his song "American Life." Bracket in the summertime, yeah. close bracket. <laughs> you know, I just have to get out of Los Angeles, man. Woo! <laughs> like, Is this, another bad drum sound. It sounds like 94. That sounds like awful. That's an awful drum sound. 
Soul. I know. It's all, it's all connected. Johnny's a bit full of himself. Zero in on the hook. Stuff, well, isn't it? I no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But here's the thing. <laughs> My thing with it is, I wouldn't have picked that he was British. Yeah, no. Sounds so American. It does. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things like what, what the Brits are so very good at in terms of looking at America and telling America exactly what they shouldn't yeah. look like and sound like. It's happened since the Beatles, man. Yeah, but. Yeah, I do. I do like the song as a pop song, yeah. as a radio song. I imagine this would be on the radio in the states every day. Well, funny, it was only a hit here in Australia. Interesting. Yeah, it got to number sixty-nine in the charts. That's the highest it went anywhere. Well, there you go. Seventy-six on the Triple J Hottest One Hundred. So Triple J were playing this. In oh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, seventy six, seventy six. But what about? <laughs> we wait till the end, don't we? About the hit thing. Um, but yeah, I always go I, any sort of uh, song that features the word America or uh, radio. Yep, radio is a big one. Yep, I always kind of feel a bit cynical about. It's like, I mean, if you. I mean, sort of Radiohead does blow my argument out of the water in a way. But they're not singing but Radiohead. No, they, yeah. they're not. They're not singing about the radio. No. They're singing, well, fridges, buzzers like a fridge. That's that's a nice line. Yep. But um, uh, So Radiohead don't apply to my argument at all. But any song that features the radio, radio love it. Well, yep. they certainly used to. Yeah. I've said this in the on previous shows. For kids now mm. in bands, write about like, Whatever's popular on TikTok, mm. do a dance that people can do or, yeah. or even say TikTok in your song. Yeah. It'll go on TikTok and then you'll go viral. Yeah. That's, or, that's or new just, radio. Or hit yourself over the head with a wet brick yeah. either way. Or get really good at Minecraft and just talk about that on YouTube yeah. and you'll get really famous. Hey, react to things. <laughs> react to th- If everyone just reacted to things. I mean, That's this what is I should have been doing. I should have been pretending I hadn't heard these songs ever <laughs> yes. and just feel myself reacting to the songs. I love the idea that in the future we're just all reacting to, well, reaction videos, I guess. That was a good, yeah. I think that's already been sort of talked about or done. Well, s- this is nothing like any of his other songs. No. So he was a, pro- a prog rocker. Right. In in eighty from eighty two to ninety, he was in a band called It Bites, mm-hmm. and they were mm. prog rock. And they were very. He was on record as saying he doesn't like the Smiths. They can't even play their instruments. They uh, were real real musos. Yeah. Uh, he released an album called Welcome to the Wild Country. That was his solo mm. album, but it didn't do anywhere. Only was released in Japan. Mm. Even though the, re- the record label wanted to release it everywhere, but they were like, we're just going to put this in Japan. Yes. Francis says he doesn't like it. He actually bought bought the rights to the album back in 2001, uh-huh. but he was like, I didn't know who I was when I was recording that. Yeah. In 93 he joined uh, Robert Plant's touring band from Led Zeppelin. He went toured around the world. So proper music. Got his mojo back, went in and re- released this album called Fearless in 94. 
And that's right. it. And this is what he says wow. about his songwriting, okay? I cannot write songs on a nine-to-five basis. At the risk of sounding pretentious, my songs come from somewhere else and I have to wait for them. So it's not up to me when I receive them. When the songs start to come, they all come at the same time. I may get 20 songs in three or four days and then it all stops again. Yeah. I kind of agree, but it's a really good um, excuse, isn't it? It is. Why are you spending so much time on the golf course? Yeah. Oh, the I'm songs writing. aren't coming. Yeah. They're not coming, but they're gestating. It's happening. I, I, I do agree that. Sometimes, but you just have to be there for it to mm, come. Totally. Like, but then, you know, conversely, you, you think you read about Nick Cave spending, you know, five days a week, yeah. you know, locked downstairs, nine to five, writing songs. Are you? Yeah. The whole time? Well, li- Jer- Jerry, Seinfeld talks of- about, Jerry Seinfeld talks about how he would see, like, construction workers go off and go, yeah. they don't want to be at their job, nine to five, but it's their job and they do it. So that's yeah. why he would sit down nine to five and oh, I see. I get right, that. what is the deal? And then like, <laughs> <laughs> has anyone seen these guys? <laughs> like, with a wall full of like yeah. um, post-it notes. What is the deal with? <laughs> what mm. could be the deal? <laughs> yeah. Look, um, this song, I, look, it's, it's totally acceptable. I understand why it would be a radio hit. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised it wasn't a hit in the yeah, States. Me too. All right, mm. moving on. An- another artist we've talked about in the past, yes. but we talked about her when she was one half of Shakespeare's sister. Now this is her first solo effort since Shakespeare's sister. This oh. is Marcella Detroit and her song, I Believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How the drum sound on this one? Well, that's an 808, isn't it? It's classic. I kind of want to drop some rhymes. Nah. Don't like this one. I like, it's a really interesting musical choice, that meaning, meaning, that thing yeah. that sort of plays. Even when it goes to the relative minor up there, it's played over that, which is really interesting here. That's interesting. But... Again, it sounds like a demo, you know, waiting for Trevor Horn to step in. In 94, we Butch Vig. Let's give it to Butch Vig. Butch Vig, yeah. You sure you want to do this? Which sister are you again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Come on, Gatesy, oh, pitch yourself. I hate that. In a high school gymnasium. No. Dancing with, dancing with someone you've had a crush on. No. Yeah. All right. Do you think? Do you think that's what you think that the kids would, you know, at graduation would cross the, cross the dance floor? And is that, does Maybe. it still happen that way? I don't know. I don't know how it happens. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so this got to number 11 in the UK, her highest charting single there after Shakespeare's Sister. We talked about how she, a pretty amazing career. She she wrote Lay Down Sally for Eric Clapton. Yep. yep. Right. Yep. Lay Down Sally. Yep. That one. Yep. Oh. She wrote that. That's a good one. Got fired from Shakespeare's sister at an award show. <gasps> when they won an award, the other member of Shakespeare's sister was in rehab and uh, sent, a, sent a fax to the manager saying, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. We're, we're no longer a band. Whoa. They just won an award and she was like, oh, I'm. I'm unemployed now. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she got on it. Mm. Sorry. So this is what uh, 
you, you weren't that impressed by the vocal technique no. here. Uh, no. This is what Johnny Houston from Entertainment Weekly said about it. Marcella Detroit has a gift for perverse lyrics and a voice like Mariah Carey with a head cold. Hmm. Mariah Carey with a head cold. With a head cold. <laughs> a bit nasally I think she's, he's saying. Wow. But like why even bother making the comparison? I don't. I'm not sure. That did not. There was that moment, that little bit of grunt that we yeah. were like, Yeah. Yeah. That, that, was, that was That was the but most then, interesting part of the song. And then it went drop down yeah. for the chorus to more more beige singing. Well, I, mean, I can't play it, but there is a key change. But oh. You would have known. Anyone who listened to that song go, oh, yeah, this is going to get a key change. Oh, right, yeah, because yeah. we're, we're boring them. Yeah. <laughs> After two minutes we need to take it somewhere. <laughs> All right. Ballads are hard. Because I think ballads are the easiest sort of thing to kind of write. How's that massive call? Yeah. Wow, big call Wednesday. Um, <laughs> but uh, that one's not a good one. That's all. All right. I reckon you'll be into this song. I reckon in 94 you would have been very much into this song. Yep. This is Set Soundgarden oh, yeah. and Black Hole Sun. That sounds like a drum. There you go. Right there. Pretty good set of pipes on him. Oh. Possibly get well. These guys. So we have at this incarnation of the band, Chris Cornell, vocals. Yes. We have Kim Thale, the only other member who is a member for the entire run of the of the band. Mm-hmm. Ben Shepherd mm-hmm. and Matt Cameron. Okay. Who now plays for Pearl Jam? Yeah. Yeah. With- From Seattle, first grunge band to sign to Sub Pop. Mm. They didn't release their albums on Sub Pop though; just the first two singles. Uh, and they kind of, and then they went. They were also the first grunge band to sign to a major label, yeah. which had a bit of bit of backlash at the time. Yeah. Sellouts, yeah, such such a weird concept. Never try to make a living, people. This was Gen X stuff, yeah. right? Now, who cares? I know. Throw it, <laughs> throw it at a bank ad. I talked to Bob Evans, uh, Kevin Mitchell about this. He was like, "Oh, the stuff that Jebediah turned down." Okay, so in Same. Tw- oh, yes, in twenty fourteen. Uh, Chris Cornell in an interview said that he wrote this song in his head driving to the studio. Mm-hmm. It was a 35-minute drive and he just wrote it in his head there. So he'd heard something on the news and he couldn't make it out. It was like blah, 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 Black Hole Sun. He thought that Black Hole Sun would make a good song title yeah. but he didn't know what it would sound like so he was just going through it. Then he, he got to the studio and just whistled it into a dictaphone and then uh, next day presented it to the band, put a couple of key changes in it and uh, to make it more interesting yeah. and then... He said, wrote the lyrics in about half hour. That was it. So bad motor finger that the album prior to this changed my life in a way simply because I'd never heard the man sing before. So, you know, there's 
There's songs, if anyone wants to look up Slaves and Bulldozers, yeah. one of the greatest vocal performances ever recorded, um, you'll know that I'm a huge, I'm a huge well, Chris Cornell fan. Yes. Bad Motorfinger also came with a bonus CD yeah. called S-O-M-M-S, which stood for Satan Oscillate My Metallic Sonatas, <laughs> yeah. which is a palindrome. <laughs> so there are a couple of big nerds in the band, I reckon, going, oh, yeah, yeah. this would be cool. Oh. Well, well, metal guys are nerds. They so are. Let's face it. When I was growing up, even that um, I, I loved Iron Maiden and things, power metal, big, yep. anything was that was theatrical. I didn't really, when I first saw Spinal Tap, I didn't quite, surprising, I didn't quite get it because for me metal bands were already funny. Yeah. Metal bands were already taking the piss out of that. Well, I there is a, I think I may have mentioned this before, but there is a comedian who doesn't do comedy. Oh, no, he does, but like not as much as when I first started and he mm. would make fun of the darkness. Right. Without realizing that, no, they're making fun of themselves. Yeah, man. They know. They know. They're in on the joke. They, yeah, they're yeah. they're they're, they're um, postmodern. Yeah, you know that's what they're doing. But yeah, um, but uh, yeah, Iron Maiden, Wizards, Warlocks, all these kind of yeah. themes that I loved as a fourteen-year-old boy. Yeah, but um, yeah, super unknown. But was it's an album. It's that, funny though when you say like you know they're nerds, but it's like they're fans, they're fanatical, and I think you have to be to play that kind of music because it. Yeah. Takes a lot of skill yeah. to learn guitar like that. Mm, totally. Like, oh, that said, um, that the artist earlier you said that um was dissing Morrissey and, yes. and the Smiths. I was kind of like that as a fifteen-year-old. You know. Yeah. Oh, I just been I just been playing the guitar for five years of my life. I must know everything about music then. Yeah. And I valued music as, um. A, ta- a talent, a skill. Yeah. And if if I could play it as a 15-year-old, that's why I hated In Excess, I, pl- I could play all their songs from ear. Yeah. And go, well, there's not, that's not worthy to me, which is an interesting psychological thing. Yes. Well, I think it was more tribal back then as well. You had, yes. I like this genre, I don't like this genre. Yeah. Anything that's not like the whole disco sucks movement was like, no, yeah. I like rock music, disco sucks, and that's, yeah. 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 I liked it all at um, that age anyway. The album shouldn't have been called Super Unknown. Oh. It was called Super Unknown because uh, Chris Cornell was watching some video and he read it as Super Unknown on the on the label, oh. and then years later he went back to it and said, "Oh, it actually says Super Clown." Like <laughs> Super Clown, yeah, Super Clown. I like Super Clown. Super Clown. Super Unknown is very nineties. Yeah, it's it is. very Powderfinger. It's very. Uh, this was a huge hit everywhere, like top ten in uh, what? How many countries? Like five, five, six countries. Number one in Iceland. Number yeah. one song in Iceland. Uh, 22 on the hottest 100 that year and also the song that the older girls in my high school would listen to at lunchtime and it intrigued me. The older girls? The year 10 girls. The year ten, and you're in year 7, 8? I'm in year, this time I'm in year 8. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this time I'm in year this, 8. <laughs> 94, 94 I'm in year 8 yep. and just going there's something about that music yeah. and something about the people who like that music that intrigues me. I'm not there yet. No, no. Bit Did you ever sc- get there? bit too scary. No, I never really got to yeah. like because in my school it was Tool were the biggest band. Tool. Tool, Tool oh, was the band that everyone yeah, loved and yeah. it was too much for me. I was like the film clip to Stink Fist is good but I, I, mm. I like a bit more melody. I like mm. a bit more fun. Yeah, math math metal. Yeah. So I was, I was into the Lemonheads. Uh, yeah, and they're, sure. they're poppy, but yeah, yeah, with a yeah. bit of grunge. Yeah. That, that was my thing. And you, you know, you lied about being the outdoor type. I did. Mm. I did. What if something's on TV? Shame about Ray. Yeah. All right. Uh, no. Now this next song though is the absolute. Oh, hang on. You sorry. You were about to say what the Year Ten Girls? What song was that? We can look it up. 
Oh no, they listened to this Black Hole Sun. Oh, this one was, this the, was the one. The Black oh, Hole I Sun. see. Yeah. I see. They yeah. listened to this. They they wore their Rossies, which were like leather boots <laughs> with the buckles undone. Yeah. Like they were, and that was cool in my school. In my school, if you had Rossies yeah. that had like a a buckle strap, but if you didn't do the buckle up, so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't imagine a group of you know seventeen year old, sixteen year old girls singing as a group Black Hole Sun. Won't you come? Bernie it's Bernie was a dark time in the 90s. <laughs> come on, everyone. Black hole, sun. No, something about it. They are the ones who are smoking and then they would hang out with boys who would always steal, like, steal wool from the metalwork room and then light on fire and spin it around. So oh, it would, like, just sparks yeah. flying everywhere. Yeah. And as a kid I thought, these these are the kids. That's these so, are the cool kids. They're so naughty. I could never, I could never <laughs> be in with them. Yeah. I was the same. Yeah. All right. Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll come back after these messages. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. Oh, thank God. Now this is a song in 94 was, it really changed my outlook on yes. music. It, at this time it was like, oh, there's, there's bands that are fun and they're doing stuff that I really like. So just so some uh, context, in year eight, 94, yeah. what was your favourite band? My favourite, before before this, okay, my favourite band in 94, if I'm being really honest, Things of Stone and Wood. Yes. Okay. Went to see them the other night oh, at the corner. Greg it was Arnold. a real, real moment, real emotional moment. Okay. So <laughs> then Nirvana kind of comes in. And that's I know that's a cool band to yep. like, okay? Yeah. So we're liking this kind of stuff. The presence of the United States of America more coming fun. in. More fun. Lots of fun. And then this band come on the scene and it's like, all right, this is what I'm into in 94. Right. Not saying I'm still into it. <laughs> I moved but this on. changed you. But this really changed me. Go, Josh. This is Green Day and oh, their song, God. Long View. There's some drums. <laughs> Wait for the bass. It's all about the drums. Oh. Like this is so, this is music this, for children. This is music for teenage yeah. boys. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But I felt that. It's also that nine it's for 19-year-olds too. Yeah. Just finished school, no idea what to do. So tough. There we have it. Longview by Green Day. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> it's, look, 
It's, do you know when there's sometimes there's certain smells that just take you back yeah. to a place? This yeah. song, that bass line takes me back to every kid in my school trying to play that on the bass guitar. That or the Seinfeld theme. That's excellent. Yeah. I think when I was growing up it was another one bites the dust. Yep. That's all we wanted to play on the bass. But, um, yeah, you, 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 there's nothing uh, – there's nothing there's, – what am I saying? What do I want to say? It's all likeable. Green yeah. Day, especially this album. This what album is it? Dookie? Dookie. Dookie. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So all, all their albums at this point were named after shitting. So there was Kaplunk. Yeah, great. There was Dookie. Yeah. There was something else. Yeah. Like something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we, we know who it's for. <laughs> yes. Well, even the cover is a drawing of an ex, like a bomb going off and it says Dookie. Mm. That was my year eight end of year art yeah. presentation. Yeah. And I reckon I was about one of five kids who did did the same thing. We all drew that cover as our art presentation. Yeah. It's, I was where I was in 94, um, um, Josh, I had just gotten uh, my first sort of performing job at a theatre restaurant called Dracula's Theatre Restaurant. As as Dracula? Were you as, Dracula? Yes, I was Dracula. Yes. Um, that's, yeah, I talk about it too much. Um, um, no, my mum would have come over and seen you. She loved Dracula. pinched my bum, have probably. I, have I told you my mum my mum came over and saw Dracula's and what? then went back to what? Little Little Island, <laughs> Little Island and said, Josh, I've found the perfect job for you oh, when you're yep. older because, yep. you know, you can do all your drama shit but also have a job. That's it. Well, that's, that was it. Yeah. And I was, yeah, Five, day, five nights a week I was performing for like yeah. six hours. It was great fun. But I think that was my context of why I I was very critical of, of new bands, especially young bands coming through sort of um, I was starting to feel old, I reckon, starting to feel um, I'm an adult now. I better get my shit into gear. And in 94, uh, Silverchair come along. Yeah. These 16-year-olds and, oh, the 22-year-old man in me was very angry because yep. I, I thought you had to be mature before. I thought you had to be grown. No, you just had to be good, Gatesy, yeah. you fucking idiot. It is. I remember playing when I was at uni so, so like just pretentious about music. It's so, it's so, yeah. it's so annoying. And I <laughs> remember playing the band McCluskey to another guy who's older than me. And he heard it and went, it just sounds like the Stooges. I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> aren't they one of the best bands ever? Like, and yeah. also they don't just sound like the Stooges. Yeah. But at yeah. the time, because he was older, I went, oh, okay, is that, oh, I guess that's bad. But right. no, that's yeah. great. No, it's all, I, I, now I can appreciate just all, all kinds of music from all kinds of contexts and stuff yeah. just because that's how you're supposed to enjoy it. Yes. Right? Hey, this song, so Mike Durnt, the um, But no, that player, was an excellent song, excellent song. He said he, 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 pl- Came up with the bass line when he was on LSD, no. recorded it, and then in the morning couldn't remember how to play it again. Had to oh. t- relearn, had to teach him off the thing. Um, so th- the band members, Billy Joe Armstrong, Mike Durnt, and drummer Trey Cool, which is anything but a cool name, Trey yeah, Cool. Trey cool. Uh, now, I don't know if this is true, but this is online in multiple sources. So if Wikipedia can say it's true, I can say it's true on this podcast. But yep. if, you, if you know it's a lie, apparently Trey Cool, the drummer, was went to clown college and before he joined Green Day, he apparently has only has one testicle because he lost the other one in a tragic unicycle accident. Oh no. How the hell? That's not good, is it? No. I mean if you're gonna injure anywhere, it would be there. But you don't you don't want a tragic unicycle accident. I don't want to know how it happened, that's for sure. <laughs> he was a super clown though, before yeah. then. So the band name um, comes from it's a, it was a popular like a uh, San Francisco term for just spending the whole day and just smoking pot. That so makes really sense. Uh, Billy Joe Armstrong hates the name. Said yeah. in t- two thousand one, it's probably the worst band name ever. But there are a lot of bad band uh, names. I don't 
my band was had a pretty bad name. Was your kind of Pluto was the name of my band at in the late nineties. But what does that mean though? That doesn't well, mean. Well, like, we yeah. made it. We named it a drink after. We uh. named a drink, and it was kind of it was a very serious drink. You took you took a um a swig out of a Corona, filled that filled that mouthful uh, of Corona. Uh, with tequila in yep. the same bottle, lime, lemon, swish around, and it sent you to space. So it was a kind of Pluto and we went, mm. and then walked around night, the night cat really drunk asking people, would you see a band called Kind of Pluto? <laughs> <laughs> and, and half, I mean, everyone was drunk, so it was, oh, yeah, oh, it was, I don't know, well, terrible. That's a terrible name. My first Green band. Green Day's great. My first band name, which we never even played at a gig, didn't even know instruments, we just thought, let's be a band. It was mm. me and Justin Hazelwood again and yes. our friend Dale McCall. Yeah. Uh, Community Scooter. Love it. <laughs> Community scooter. Because we all went camping and there were people riding around the campsite on scooters. Yeah. And one of us said, oh, that's the Community Scooter. And we're like, that's a good band name, it's Community band Scooter. Name. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's the, the first that's, one. It's probably, you know, a better band name nowadays too. Um, yes. John yeah. Lydon's not a fan of the of Green Day, jo- oh. Johnny Rotten, but oh. he's not a fan of most things. But pop, pop punk's different to punk music. Like yeah. it's just, it's a genre. So he, this is what he said. So there we were fending off all that and it pisses me off that years later a wank outfit like Green Day hop on and nick all that and attach it to themselves. They didn't earn their wings to do that and if they were true punk, they wouldn't look anything like they do. Yeah. This is my thing though with punks. There's no. not going to be any rules with punk. No. So if you want to fucking copy the person be- before you, that yeah. you can still do, do yeah. that and say, oh, yeah, it's the DIY aesthetic. Yeah. But I go the chats to me are punk music. Yeah. Because they look they look authentic. They don't give a fuck. No. And they're ace. Yeah. Right? But it's not – It's they're not anti-establishment. It's like, it's like when everyone put – like rules on comedy. I'm like, no, the yeah, only rule is make, make the audience laugh. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. If you want to play songs to do it, mm. you're doing your job. Mm. Don't say, oh, no, you're not a real comedian though. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I thought, oh. you, I thought you'd agree with that. Well, yeah. Comedy, music, I don't know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it got to 18 in the Hottest 100. Oh, lot, that's, lot, that's a hit. A lot of Hottest 100. Top 20. Yeah. Top 20 is a hit. Well, what did Bev and the musical get? You were in the hottest one hundred. Um, uh, good. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up. No, uh, thirty six. I think we were. That's good. That's all right. But you know, that's a novelty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember listening to it on the radio mm. and then going home hoping mm. they were going to replay it so I could tape it from the radio. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Merrick, Merrick. I always say this, and it really upsets Pete. I think, but that Merrick Watts laughter made that whole thing. His reaction to that song. And that record uh, yeah. that at the time was just golden, and I think people liked hearing him laugh again. I think I think that's true of a lot of um, podcasts that I yeah. listen to. Like yeah. if you listen to Tom Segura's podcast, he's got a, a group of guys in the in the room laughing along, yeah. and it makes it makes the podcast even funnier. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, moving on. All right, the kids have had their fun with the last two songs. Now it's time for Dad to take control. Okay, this is the Screaming Jets and their song Tunnel. That's the sound of Oz Rock's last gasp. Really is, isn't it? I've mentioned the sound this a lot. of it. I've mentioned this a lot. That kind of like all these bands were great bands, amazing. And then grunge comes along, and they're like, "Where now? Where does old? this fit?" Yeah. Just production.
No. I think that's all we need here. Well, did we hear it chorus? All right, we'll, we'll keep going to the chorus. <laughs> this is the fifth single from yeah. Tear of Thought or Tear of Thought. Go to the four. Go to the four. One. Seven, four. Right. Yeah. There you go. Oh, you know, again, I... I know some of these guys too. <laughs> hey, it's a fifth single. They did very well. If you, to get to five singles from an album, that's good. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Five singles from an album. But then you go question, well, do they just, at what point do they stop releasing the singles? Well, I reckon you could buy this single and you've pretty much got a best of. Because I looked at what's on, what are the B-sides oh. of this single. Yeah. So we've got this version of Tunnel. Mm. Then they had a live version of their song Helping Hand, which right. we talked about a couple of weeks ago with yeah. Alexi and Cam. Yeah. Then a different version of Shivers, which we've also talked about as well. Oh, cover, yeah. It's a great right. song. Yeah. Uh, then my personal favourite song of theirs, which is Living in England. It's their best song. Yeah, I don't know that one. Oh, you, I'll play it to you after. It's, okay. it's really good. It actually sounds more punk than anything they've done. Yeah, great. It's great. Sounds, mm-hmm. like, sounds like the meanies, that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. Yep. Uh, and then a different mix of this song. And that's so it's five songs and it's like that's all four songs we've played on this show. Mm. And mm. it's, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's, yeah, I just think this is the, I think, again, going back to the record industry, not knowing what it was it was to do, how to move forward. The internet's just around the corner. Yeah. They're just, they're, they've got so much money to be made in the, in, the, in the future in terms of the mid to late 90s with independent rock and music, especially Australian. That's yep. Australian rock just really beautifully took off. Everything Australian. We were lucky to be on a, a part of that yep. at the beginning. Um, but yeah, it's the, even the sound of this. That yes, it sounds like a drum. It sounds like um, being uh, at the Corner Hotel in 1988, 1989. Yep. And it's, it's a shame the song itself isn't. Uh, I, I don't think it's a radio hit. No. Like, uh, yeah, it, it's not. It's not exciting. It doesn't feel new. But it's just a sad thing because Screaming Jets, they're another amazing band that tour. Yeah. You know, I was looking just quietly, I don't know how much time we got. Um, I did a bit of a YouTube deep dive on 1927. Oh, ish. I hated that band, but they're still li- They're still performing live. And I just, I was, couldn't look away. I was watching what appeared to be an iPhone video of a gig yep. in regional Australia, 1927, filmed a couple of years ago. They were phenomenal. Just phenomenal. The it's guy's so, voice is incredible. My, my neighbour who I grew up with, he was my age as well, that was his favourite band. When he first moved into the neighbourhood, <laughs> I was like, oh, what bands do you like? He goes, 1927 is my favourite band. That's a terrible name. 1927. Come on. 19, any year. Well, the 1975, that's cool. There's a, there's it's got a, the, a Scottish the bank with the 1990s. Yeah. That's no, it's, no. It's not good, is it's it? It's not good. No. Don't forget, stay away from numbers, kids. I think Except that in, if in it's songs. two and it's preceded by you. Yeah, I think that is in songs. Don't say years in songs. So no. I, th- I guess it's all right with Prince wrote I'm going to party like it's 1999 oh, in the 80s. Totally. Fine. You've got yep. a decade to cash in on that. Without doubt. Silverchair writing We Are The Youth, anthem for oh, the year 2000 yeah. in 99. It's like you had one year. One it's, year, guys, and that was it. But if you ever want to know 
when that song was released. That's true. You've got the little shortcut. And it does sound perfectly like a 2000s rock song. Well, Pulp had Disco 2000 as well. Oh. But, oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But that yeah. almost sounds like it's not a year. It's like, you know, beyond 2000. It's like a futuristic kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I what will we be singing in the 80s? Yes. What will we be singing now? I think we're singing this one. Well, look, I've, I've talked about this band a lot in the past. Uh, this is one story I didn't have. So Dave Gleason, Paul Wosin, they met in high school. Yep. They were in two, as, as Dave Gleason says, uh, diametrically opposed bands. So Dave Gleason was in a band that did covers of The Angels, The Radiators and ACDC. Yes. And Paul was in a band called The Embers. They were a three-piece band who would do like psychedelic 60s stuff. Mm. Dave went, all right, I'm going to go. This is in Newcastle. Mm. He's going to go see the bands, mm. no matter if it's his genre or not. He went there and he said, the first time I saw him was at a party. At the end of the song, the guitar player had drunk a bottle of bourbon during the show, just fell over on his guitar and started throwing up onto the stage. And I thought this is the greatest rock and roll thing I've ever seen and he wanted to join a band with, wow. with the members. And so, yeah, he and Paul joined. They're still together, like you said. I was supposed to play for Paul a few month, a couple of months ago for this um, sing, singer-songwriters um, night that I, I sometimes join called A Singer Song of Sixpence. It's just songwriters in a circle with yep. an audience behind them. We're sharing stories and singing each other's songs and playing. And Paul Wusin was supposed to come on this thing, but he got the COVID. Oh. And in the morning, I'd learned his songs. Helping Hand? <laughs> I'd learned Helping Hand, yeah. you know, because I wanted to, you know, um, contribute meaningfully. But, yeah, it was so gu- I was so gutted that um, – so I had to sing my own songs. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Well, let's move on. Now, I think we talked about this guy on uh, volume volume six. This is ex-member of Miami Sound Machine, Gloria Estefan. <laughs> this is If You Go, If You Go, I'll say it properly, oh. with John Cicada. Okay. Stop. Don't like this one. Nah. We've got to give it a minute. Let's give it okay, a minute. a minute. I do like that. The feeling with feelings I don't want to hide. Get fucked. <laughs> this song really is, it's a pretty bad song like in terms of what the lyrics are at. It's like, if you yeah. go, I, I don't know what I'll do with myself. It's like, yep. hey, that's, no. that's on you. Yeah, you're the artist. Yeah. Tell us how you're feeling. Don't say you've got feelings. Right, that, oh. is, that is a minute, but we'll just have to wait. And don't rhyme sh- self with shelf ever. I can so. That's enough. Mm. What a. Terrible. <laughs> like just a real offence to time and energy. <laughs> it, it, it is very – this is the beauty of these compilations though. Yeah. You get all sorts of songs. So we had like yeah. Black Hole Sun. Yeah. We're going to have a song next up which sounds timeless. Yeah. And then you got this thing yeah. that sounds very 80s mm. coming out in the 90s. Mm. Even though in the 90s there were still bands like, you know, your boys to men, all that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting out stuff like this. Yep. 
But and this, Australian ones as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. we had culture. We had uh, – what are the, the, the other ones? Uh, human nature. Yeah, yeah. human. Yeah, they they weren't one. doing it just yet though, I don't right. think. Right. But um, so I said his backup singer uh, in the um, Miami Sound Machine, Lou Estefan, mm. uh, he wrote her number one song, Coming Out of the Dark, with her, which was uh, inspired by a tour bus accident that broke her back. Mm. Uh, that was in 1990. Uh, this song was his last top ten single on the charts. This was a top ten single this in was Australia. A top, not, oh, I'm not sure it was Australia, but huge in Canada. Huge. All oh, right. The thirty seventh highest selling single of the entire nineties. This song, really, really, no. in the nineties. This no. song in Canada, only thirty six. In in, only thirty six better songs in Canada in the nineties. Yeah, nah, that's something. Something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with Canada. I don't believe the internet anymore. <laughs> Something that's is wrong. It. Like, on is the there o- other examples of terrible songs that really soared? Well. Here's the thing. So the, the bands that we've talked about from Canada on the other podcast, Pod Machine, Talking Hit Machine, are uh, bands like Crash Test Dummies. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. Which did well everywhere else, that song, apart from Canada. They were like, no, we, we like their other song, Superman <laughs> song. Right. They also had Bare Naked Ladies. Yes. Joke band. Joke band, but also one of those joke bands which are, are you a joke band? Like, you, yeah. yeah. Nickelback. Joke band. But <laughs> I like your pants around your lips. What? But it's yeah. It's <laughs> sorry. It's it's really interesting. What like a lot of the, the pop songs on here that don't do anywhere uh, do well in Australia. They don't do anywhere else. But I think it's because of these compilations. I can imagine this guy on Hey Hey at Saturday um, performing <laughs> this song or my or, you know yep. singing to a backing track of with with miming musicians, and that's exactly when I'd leave. Well, he was on a uh, TV show called Latin Idol, which ran for four years, just like American Idol, but right. just for Latin superstars. Okay, as and a judge. As a judge for four years, he was one of the judges, and then he was the entire time the show ran for. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I, there's nothing redeemable about that song, Josh. I'm afraid. Um, it's it, that I, that bright sound as well. It just sounds ugly, and it's it's very prevalent. Not to sound like an old man. Too late. Um, radio stuff now, just very bright and yeah, uh, nothing else but candy, glittery, yuck. Well, I, I have a theory that all songs with choirs singing are good, and this one proves my theory wrong because the choir comes in near the end for a key change, and it's okay. It still doesn't make yep. it a good song. Mm. All right, Rib, Ribcage by Elbow. That's one of the great choir songs. Yes, yeah. I was talking about Elbow the other day. I remember you were we were both at the gig. Yes. Uh, at the corner and yes. I, I said this on the other podcast so sorry for the patron listeners who are going to hear it twice but you know you know a band's legit when you come out and you see that their drum kit has a little glass like cage yep. around it yep. and you're like oh, these guys these guys really know what they're doing and they yeah they uh, uh they prize sound yeah Guy Carvey very funny man as well beautiful I used to download his um radio program it's very funny all right this is our final song we're almost there, Gatesy. I think yeah. I think you'll like this one. This is just the B side. This is side Probably, B. Yeah. yeah. And this is better than the A side. Great. All right. This is I'll Stand By You by Pretenders. Dude, this is a ballad. Yeah. Oh, why you look so sad? Tears are in your eyes Come on and come to me now 
I would play the whole song if I was allowed to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't know what to She's do. Like, Nothing you confess. I love her voice. She's great, isn't it? Voice. I'll stand by you. I'll stand by you. Interesting chord. It's just the same. I'll stand by you. All right. I'll have to stop it there. Ah, oh, key change. So the yeah. chor- chorus is a different key. Beautiful. Please, please go, after you finish listening to this podcast, listeners, go and listen to the whole song of that one. Please. It is a classic sound. This, this is what I don't understand. So not really a hit at the time. Yeah, right. Like for me, you go, oh, this is a number one song. Yeah. Did Got to 16, I think, in America. Right. Uh, cracked the top 20 in the UK as well. Didn't get to number one right. until... Years later in the UK, when Girls Aloud did a cover of it, oh, and that's when it got joking. to number one. <laughs> oh, smash me! No, you know, uh, um, do you have more factoids? I've got heaps of facts, but yeah. I want to hear what you want to say. About <laughs> well, it. just I was blown away. I love, I love her voice um, so much. We're talking Chris, Christine, Chrissy Hind. Chrissy Hind, thank you. Um, uh, Brass in Pocket, one of yes. the great breakthrough um, hits, actual hit, ladies and gentlemen. Um, apparently during the recording of that, I, I mean something about her voice in Brass in Pocket is just so extremely intriguing and captivating. But apparently she oversang it in the first ah, couple of takes. Yeah. You can imagine a, a singer really giving it everything. Yeah. But um, the producer just kept hammering home, no, simpler, simpler, less energy, less. And there's something about it, you know. Well, I yeah was reading about this, reading the reviews, and the reviews weren't positive. Like One of the right. reviews, Larry Flick from Billboard, said, oh, it's quite a tired-sounding vocal. Yeah. I'm like, what are you fucking yeah. talking about? Yeah. Like it's. It's incredible in the production of that track, though. The vocal is awash with delay. Yeah. And, it's, and that just sounds like uh, a singer who's not happy with their voice. Like yeah. John Lennon famously like that slap delay on his voice because it took away from the tone. Yeah. It created something new. But, yeah, it's interesting. So here's the thing. Doing research into this, I could do a whole episode on, just on Chrissy Hine and her stories. Could you? She is – she's lived the best life I've ever read on Wikipedia, okay? Yeah. Yep. So 16, she was in a band uh, called Saturday Sunday Matinee. Mm-hmm. In that band – was Mark Mothersborough who went on to be in Devo and yeah. who's now the music consultant on every single fucking uh, movie you pretty much watch. He really is. He's just there. Everywhere. Okay. <laughs> she, when she was like I think 17, she went and saw David Bowie. Mm. She was such a huge fan she went down early. So at Soundcheck he came out and said, hey, do you know where I can get a bite to eat? So she drove David Bowie to a restaurant she couldn't. She was so nervous she couldn't speak to him. Yeah. Um, then years later, at she finally saw him and went, "Hey, I just want to tell you. Do you know? Remember when I drove you?" And he goes, "I have no recollection of that at all." Yeah, yeah. Which is fair enough. Like fair enough. For a few years, he kept his piss in a fridge because yeah. he thought he was, it was going to steal. He was living the Ziggy. He. She almost lost her virginity to Ronnie Wood from at the time the Faces. Then went on to be in um, the Rolling Stones. Yeah. So after the Faces show, her and a friend went back to the hotel they were staying at and her and a friend and Ronnie Wood and Rod Stewart were drinking and getting stoned through the night 
And she knew where it was heading and she said to a friend, nah, let's let's go home now. Yeah. So, but, you know, could have. That's, yeah. Super fanning. In 74, she began working as a shop assistant in uh, Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren's shop. Um, it was called Fashion Must Wear Clothes. Mm. And uh, she got fired because Chrissy Hines' ex-boyfriend, the enemy writer Nick Kent, who she also wrote for as well, came in and beat her with a studded belt. And so Malcolm McLaren went, nah, get out. You're not working here. I didn't know that. Yeah. I liked Nick Kent's so, I know. So did I. I've oh. read, read this today. I went, fuck Nick Kent. No, Nick Kent. Yeah. Nick Carr. Yeah. Yeah. She almost married Sid Vicious. Yeah. Well, this is featured in the, I think, I believe the Disney Plus. Oh, is um, it? <laughs> the, I haven't seen it. Is that the Pistols? Yeah. Uh, Whoa. It's pretty fun. All right. I might have to watch it. You know, you know, unf- yeah. Look, when they when people are trying to do biopics in interesting ways, yeah, I, I I do appreciate at least the you know the attempt. Okay, so for those who haven't seen it, so she from America but was living in the UK, and in order to stay, she had to you know get her like visa sorted. So Sid Vicious said, "Yeah, I'll do it." They turned up to the registry office, but it wasn't open. It wasn't <sighs> open. That was the only reason she didn't marry Sid Vicious. Wow, wow. Uh, she ended up right. She wrote for the NME. And she, uh, her first piece was just slagging off Neil Diamond mm-hmm. and the like, editor was like, this is fantastic and gave her a job. Mm. So she was just going to be freelance. Went, no, no. So this, then going from that to then becoming a musician. That's the bit. That would have been a really scary thing to yeah. go, I've now been slagging off all these musicians yep. or being critical of them, yep. not just slagging off, but now I've got to put my money, money where my mouth is. Become the thing you scrutinise. Yeah. And that's, for me, that's the... the that's when you know we we know even in even in our industry our little tiny comedy industry yeah. there's there's fans that linger that want to be part that want to be close to this world this culture yeah. they become writers they become reviewers you know yeah. i get it but then to then to turn your you know your passion to actually creating shit out of nothing yeah i total respect yeah so of this song chrissy hine said she felt embarrassed because she said she purposely sat down to write a hit yeah. And she kind of felt a bit like she'd betrayed the artistry. Interesting. She only felt good about the song when Noel Gallagher said to her, in, oh, he said in an interview, I wish I wrote that song. That's, a, that's one of the songs I wish I wrote. Wow. Yeah. Which is so weird, like going, it was a hit. It kind of like it had this life. Yeah. And it was because a peer said, no, actually, that's a great song. I wish I wrote it. Yeah, that's great. I do, I do I also like the idea of sitting down, okay, I'm going to write a hit. As you know, I mean, she's a known quantity, so I guess that the the door is already open, and we go, "What's your next? What's your next song?" Yeah. But the idea of okay, let's capture lightning in a bottle, which is what a, a hit song really is. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, 100% hits, but I believe it's <laughs> it's something that really captures the imagination. So, yeah, we've all tried to do it. It's what it. And Josh, why don't you write a hit song? I know. I should. Uh, you, that's what I should do. Well, you should do that. I mean, you've got family. You've got a family to feed. I once had. It's easy. Look, I had a manager once who I had, <laughs> I had. I had a very good, very good year one year doing a show about a little cake book. Yes. And then about four or five years later, he goes, "Hey, why don't you write another show like that?" I'm oh, like, "Oh, it's just that easy, is it? Get, just write a fucking another show, it's which amazing. just <laughs> picks out something from the zeitgeist, but that it wasn't in the zeitgeist until I started doing it." Yep. And then, yep, let's do that. Yep. Oh, I'll write a whole fucking show yep. about yeah, fucking some. 
discontinued ice cream from the <laughs> servo. Shut up. That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> but I like how the, uh, the, the concept hadn't occurred to you. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, like even the, writing off the success of the children's cake book. Yeah. Oh, what's next? I don't know. I'm not thinking about that. Yeah. I'm going to just drive this into the ground and see what happens. <laughs> no. Uh, all right, that's that so is that is our nine songs. That is side B, volume thirteen. Now let's go through them and let's declare how many hits are on this. They say one hundred percent. I don't think we're going to get there, listeners. No. All right. What was A side? Do you remember? Uh six out of ten. All right. Okay. Oh, oh six. Six no, hits five, out of ten. Five, five, I think five. Okay. All right. Here we go. So we've got Four Letter Word by Chocolate Starfish. Nope. No, not a hit. Shine by Collective Soul. Yeah. Yep. Yep. American Life in the Summertime, well, Francis Dunnery. I guess. It sounds like a okay. hit song. I Believe by Marcella Detroit. Absolutely not. <laughs> Black Hole Sun, Soundgarden. Sure. Longview by Green Day. Yeah. Tunnel by Screaming Jets. Oh, I want to, but I don't, not, not that song. If You Go, John Cicada. Um, that's, what's the opposite of a hit? <laughs> Shit. Shit. Yes. Pretenders, I'll Stand By You. Yeah. Five. Five out of nine. Five out of nine. I didn't think we'd get there. I actually thought you'd get like two or three. That's oh, I think I threw a couple of songs yeah, bone. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so did the, the, the programmers or the, the compilers of these compilations. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thank you so much, Gates, for doing this. Oh, I could talk with you forever. Tell the people where they can find you. You got any shows coming up? Oh, we, we spend our time cancelling shows nowadays. We cancelled one because of flooding. Yeah. Um, that was fun. So now we've just got locusts and, um, yeah, until it's all biblical. But. Uh, no, um, I, oh, I had it. I had, oh yes, we've got a Christmas show coming up. That'd when, be good. When's Tripod that? are doing Christmas show, Brunswick Ballroom sometime in December. Go to threepod.com.au for all your tripod needs. Excellent. Thank you very much. Hey, listeners, like I said at the very top of the show, I'm doing a show in November on the 20th at the Vanguard in Sydney. I'm doing Don't You Know Home Live. Good lineup. Becky Lucas, Daniel Walker, Ben Coshin, Tom Cashman. And then after that, I'm doing my show, Josh Earl Talks. So get a ticket at joshearl.com.au. Plus my Christmas show of this podcast at the European Beer Cafe, December 18, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. All the proceeds go to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. We're talking 100% hits, volume 17. Wow. How many volumes were there? 33. Wow. What happens after 33? You're going to go You're going to go the 80s? Ooh, no, I wasn't alive. No. I, mean, I was alive. But, but you'd was, know yeah. all the songs because they yeah. still get played in cafes everywhere. We'll see what we do. We'll okay. see what we do. But there's still there's, <laughs> so 33 <laughs> more weeks for the end. Love you, Josh. Love you too, Gatesy. See you next time. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.